Come on. We are finishing our series on the book of Acts these next couple weeks. We have been in this series for five months, and it has been powerful. We've gone line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we are in Acts 27. If you got a Bible, go to Acts 27. Come on. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen, but I want to title this message, Hope Floats. Turn to that person next to you and say, Hope Floats. We're going to find out in this story when Paul and a group of prisoners and a group of Roman leaders are caught in a storm and they're in the middle of a shipwreck, how to stay afloat, how to keep your courage, how to keep your hope when you're walking through a storm, when you're going through something that was unexpected. And uh, Paul experienced a lot of adversity. The church, as we've studied this, this whole series, the early church, when Jesus, you know, was uh, speaking to his church that the Holy Spirit would come on them, they would have power, they would bring the gospel, people would get healed, that in the middle of their revival, there was a lot of persecution, there was a lot of adversity. But the cool thing was, the more the persecution, the more the multiplication. The more adversity they walked through, the more God began to multiply their church. And here's what I know, and that is that no matter what we go through in this life, if we will keep our hope and our trust in Jesus, he will continue not only to see us through it, but to give us a power to thrive and have victory in the middle of whatever storm we're facing. I, I remember preaching that sermon right when COVID hit and the very first week, God gave me a word, victory over the virus. That in the middle of adverse, in the middle of all kinds of stuff that was going in our world, we were gonna walk in victory. And church, we did. We fed 17 million meals across the United States of America, mostly here in Oklahoma, but across the Midwest, we fed more meals, 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 still learning English, but I got a prophetic word over my life. Come on, Jesus. We fed more meals than Amazon in eight months. Amazon, they were you know, touting on TV that they had fed 12 million meals over 12 months. And I started getting calls from people in the church. They said, victory beat Amazon in generosity and compassion. Come on. We're praying for you, Jeff Bezos. We got a seat for you at church. Bring your Amazon Prime here. But listen, <laughs> God has a plan for his church. Just because the world is in a famine doesn't mean the church has to be in a famine. Just because the world is, is living with fear doesn't mean the church has to live with fear. Just because there's all kinds of reasons to run around like a chicken with its head cut off and be confused and trying to figure out what's going on. Y'all, we have a map. We have a compass. In every storm, there is a reason to keep your courage, to keep your hope. And hope only floats when hope is in the right place. If you got your hope in the wrong place, it's going to sink. I could have titled this message, Hope Sinks. But the right hope floats. The right kind of hope always stays afloat no matter what storm you're in. So Acts 27, verse 1, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some of the prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. He belonged to the Imperial Regiment. Julius was the captain. He was the leader of the prisoners. And they decided to sail during a season where it was already kind of windy. It was already a little sketch. And verse 9, it says, much time had been lost because the wind was against us. This is a picture of some of you in your life right now. You are losing time because you are trying to do things in your own strength. You're losing energy because you're trying to do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. As long as I'm trying to do it in my own strength, I'm going to be going against the wind. But when I receive those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. You know what helps a plane to take off is that the wind that's coming against it, it needs resistance in order to take off. How do I sail? How do I rise above the storms? Of, I get in, in alignment with the Holy Spirit. I get alignment in the purpose and the plan of God that while the wind, because listen, the world is going to keep on having storms. Following Jesus doesn't mean you're exempt from storms. In fact, you might have more storms. You might have more. Jesus said, rain falls on the just and the unjust. Storms come upon the righteous and the unrighteous. But the man who built his house, who builds his house on the rock, when the storms come, and they will come, financial storms, marriage storms, 
parenting storms, single storms, divorce storms. There's going to be storms in life, storms that you cause and storms that other people cause. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all have caused some storms before? If you're not raising your hand, just look at your spouse. They'll tell you. Or your family members. Your mom is like, it was your fault. We were in this storm because of you. But you're the Jonah on the boat. We had to throw you off, but you're back in now. Come on. <laughs> How many have been in storms that other people caused? Don't look right at them, but we've all, <laughs> we've all been there. We've all been there. Here's the point. Instead of getting in the blame game of why you're in the storm, ask God, what do you want to do in me during the storm? What are you using this storm? You got to go through that storm with the right the voice you listen to when you're in a storm will determine how you come out of that storm. If you're listening to a voice of blaming and shaming, you're gonna come out like a victim. You're gonna come out with your head down, discouraged, won't know how to face the next storm. But if you go through that storm, listening to the voice of the Lord, you will come out stronger on the other side. If I'm gonna go through storms, storms are inevitable, but growth is optional. So if I'm going to, I'm already preaching if you're wanting to take notes. By the way, note takers are history makers, world changers. But hope floats when I've got my hope in the right voice. Paul began to notice that the wind was picking up. And, and so Paul warns them. God always sends a warning before the storm. God always sends a warning before the tornado. Every Wednesday in Tulsa, we have a, a fake tornado siren that goes off. It's not saying that a tornado's coming, it's just preparing people. This is what it sounds like. How many of y'all hear that siren that goes off? And if you're watching online, you're like, that's what it's like to live in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's what it's like to live in Oklahoma. We got a Wednesday and other cities that are by the coast, they have hurricane sirens that prepare them. This is what it sounds like. This is what it's gonna sound like when the hurricane hits. They have to be ready. You've gotta be ready. Our world is getting darker right now. There's a siren going off for kids. There's a siren going off for teenagers. There's a siren going off in universities and schools. There's a siren going off. Parents, are you listening? Moms, dads, husbands, wives. There's a siren going off for marriages. There's a warning to listen to the word of God. It's a sobering moment when I read this because I, I realize they had a warning and they dismissed it. Paul says, men, there's a siren for men right now. God's calling men to rise up. God's calling, I say God's calling men to rise up. God's calling men to get low. Not to stick your chest out, I'm a self-made man, but to get right here. The strongest place a man can be, Keyshawn, Ty, Josh, Paul, Drew, the strongest place a man can be is right here. I don't have to take, I don't have to learn from you. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to take notes. I know what I'm doing. As long as I carry pride, I will, I will walk into storms and keep dismissing warnings. But if I can stay here and I've been there, if I can get back, listen, here's the good news. If you got yourself into a storm, God can get you out of that storm. Even if you dismiss the warnings, I love this, that this chapter doesn't end with everyone dies. That would be the most miserable sermon. You're like, what was the point of that? We're all going to die. The truth is someday we all will die. We all will die. Our, our bodies will decay, but our spirits will live on. And if we will learn to walk through storms with a trust in God, with a ear to his spirit, hear what the spirit is saying, then we will learn. Maybe we, maybe we won't avoid every storm, but we will learn to soar through every storm. We will learn to come out stronger through every storm. We will learn to have victory no matter what's going on around us. Are y'all listening this morning? Paul says, men, I can, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. I've got this vision. I'm not a weatherman, but I've got this sense that the wind is about to pick up and we're gonna experience loss. We're gonna lose cargo and it's gonna affect our lives too. But the centurion, instead of listening to Pastor Prisoner Paul, decided to follow the advice of the pilot, which makes sense. If you're, you're, you're on a ship, you're like, who are you? I'm going to listen to the pilot, the, the captain, the owner of the ship. So they dismissed the warning. In verse 13, when a gentle wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity and they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, all it takes is a little bit of time. 
As soon as I get one degree off from where I'm supposed to be, it may not matter at first, but the distance makes the difference. The further I go one degree off, the further I drift from where I'm supposed to be. So they dismissed it. Everything seemed fine until, verse 14, a wind of hurricane force. The amplified version said it was a typhoon. And it wasn't just a one-hour typhoon. We've seen storms that blow through Tulsa and they last for two hours, like an intense rainstorm. We had this yesterday, about a two to three hour rainstorm in, in certain parts, and then it's over. This lasted weeks. A storm that wouldn't stop. The hits kept coming. This is your life. Some of you, this is the the life that you have experienced in 2022. It's something you walked through last year. You're like, oh my gosh, this chapter is my life. What am I going to do? Listen, it got so bad, it swept down. Verse 15, the ship was caught by the storm. The ship represents your life. The ship represents my life, our lives. It was caught by the storm and there was nothing we could do to stop it. So it says in verse 15, we gave way and the storm drove us. We were driven by the storm. The amplified version says that we went backwards. We were supposed to be headed towards Rome. We were headed towards Italy. It started driving us backwards towards Africa. And here we were, our ship was supposed to be going this way. And here we are, we're going backwards because of the storm. Have you ever been there before where the storm was driving you? It felt backwards. Five of us in the room. How many of y'all have ever been in something where you're just like, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this? Yes. A, A doctor's diagnosis. It was sudden. Everything was good. The wind was good. All was well. They were sailing without a storm in verse 14. And then all of a sudden, verse 15, this gentle wind turned into a hurricane. I remember when my dad found out he had cancer. And I remember when our family found out, it was like, what? We did not see that coming. There are things that happen in your life where you don't see it coming. And when it comes, it can, it can literally drive you. It can drive your family. Economic crisis, recession, inflation, whatever it is. 2008, the housing market crashed. There's moments in life where all of a sudden a storm hits and it begins to drive you. And my question is, what is driving you this morning? Who is driving you? Who is steering your ship right now? If your life is a ship, who is steering it right now? Is it fear or is it faith? Is it shame or is it grace? Is it the community of believers or is it isolation? I can't even be around anybody. I can't even show my face. I'm going to have to do this on my own. I'm going to have to fight this storm all by myself. Who is steering your ship? Is it your friends? And are those friends listening to God? Well, I just do whatever my friends do. If my friends are doing that, that's what I'm gonna do. My friends, my friends are, they they determine who I vote for. Show me your crew, I'll show you your view. Show me your friends, I'll show you. Who's steering your ship? I just follow whatever CNN tells me, whatever Fox News, whatever the the government's in charge of my life. Who's in charge? Who's the captain of your boat? Oh, captain, my captain. If it's not Jesus, your hope is gonna sink. And I know you didn't come here this morning just to hear my ideas. You came to hear what is God speaking to the church. If Jesus is not the captain of your boat, it is going to sink. It is a sandcastle. And when the storm comes, that sand is going to erode and it is going to fall into the sea. But the house that is built on the rock, thank God Paul was on the boat. If they didn't have Paul, I don't know if they would have made it. Sometimes God has good people in a storm to save some people out of the storm. Ooh, I'm preaching. God is like ministering to me as I'm I'm reading this. (sighs) We couldn't stop the storm. Verse 16, we kept on trying to stop places and the wind and the storm was so bad we couldn't even pull our boat off. So we cut ropes. We began to throw off cargo. Verse 18, it became so violent, the beating wouldn't stop. The battering of the storm. I was talking to someone at the altar last night. They said, our family walked through one of the worst things that you can imagine, and the, the hits wouldn't stop coming. It just felt like we were getting beat every week. Another hit, another hit, another hit. They said we came to victory to find healing. We came to victory to find hope. 
I'm gonna give you five places to put your hope so it stays afloat. Five, if you're taking notes, five places that hope will stay afloat. Number one, put your hope in God's presence. The presence of God keeps your boat afloat no matter what's going on around you. If storms are going to come, I can't stop them from coming. No matter how good you live, storms are gonna come. No matter how righteous you are, how much you tithe, there's gonna be storms in your life. You might go, I rebuke that. Well, then you're rebuking the words of Jesus because he said in John 16, there will be troubles that come in your life. Well, I only pick and choose the scriptures I like, Paul. This is a drive-through menu and I would take the burger without the, the, the lettuce and the tomatoes. You can't do that. It's scripture. Storms are coming. Troubles are coming. It will happen. But peace is not the absence of storms. It is a shelter in the middle of a storm. There was a teacher who did a, a, an art competition. She was an art teacher. And she asked all of her students to submit their best painting on the theme of peace. So kids send in, you know, teenagers send in pictures of like a, a river, a winding river, a creek, and, and like a forest, and just, just serene pictures. But one girl submitted a painting of the most horrific storm on the coast of Maine with a, a lighthouse and just lightning and waves crashing and just intense storm. And the teacher looked at her and she goes, I think you missed the point of the assignment. This was supposed to be pictures of peace. And the girl goes, I know. She goes, why did you give me a chaotic storm? She said, look closer. The teacher got closer to the painting and she noticed there was a cliff next to the lighthouse and in, on that cliff there was a cleft, a little like cave hole. And in that cleft was a mother bird holding her babies in a nest, protected by the storm. And the girl goes, that's peace to me. She said, that's my life. It's not the absence of pain. It's having a shelter in the middle of life's storms. Can I tell you the presence of God is stronger than the storms and the problems you're facing. Whether you're walking through divorce, whether you're walking through cancer, whether you're walking through economic struggles, whether you're afraid about your job, or you just found out your mom has sickness, or maybe you're here right now and you're just afraid, you're just feeling with fear. Can I tell you the presence of God is the safest place to be? It's the most peaceful place to be in the middle of storms. I remember uh, our family went through a, a terrible house fire in 1991. We woke up in the middle of the night. My dad was screaming. I was six years old. And he said, get out, get out. There's a fire, there's a fire. And I heard it and I could see smoke across the house. And I could hear a fire alarm going off, beep, 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 beep. What's so crazy is my dad had just bought a fire alarm the night before and hadn't even put batteries in it. And I've asked people, how does this happen? They've said, it, there, there are, uh, there's, there's moments where I've taken the batteries out and the fire alarm still won't stop. Have you ever experienced that before where the fire alarm just keeps going even when you pull the batteries out? But somehow it went off. It caught that there was smoke. The firemen who showed up that night said, this is the worst residential house fire we've ever seen in Tulsa. The ambulance showed up with six body bags. I was the youngest of four siblings in, and I remember that night getting lost in the fire. I got down on my knees, I began to crawl, and I didn't know where to go, and I just stopped at the, at the uh, front of my bedroom. My brother had gotten out, my sister Sarah got out, mom got out, dad got out. Then my mom said, Ruthie's still inside. You gotta get Ruthie. So my dad ran back in and got Ruthie, pulled Ruthie out. Then they started counting. They go, oh, Paul, Paul, our youngest. And every time they told this story, I was like, how come you remembered Ruthie before you remembered me? <laughs> Why was I so forgotten? God had to heal some trauma and some, some wounds in my heart. But my dad ran back into the fire and his hands burned as he touched the door burned the skin off his hands, his contacts melted in his eyes. He was blind for three days in the hospital. Smoke filled his lungs. They weren't sure if he would make it. He risked his life to get me out of that fire. Jesus risked his life, sacrificed his life to pull you out of a fire, to pull your family out of a fire, to pull your marriage out of a fire, to pull your son out of a fire. And my dad pulled me out. When we ran out of the house, the windows burst into flames. The house burned to the ground. Nothing was left. 
except for a little plaque that sat on my dad's, my dad's office that said, Jesus loves you. And I remember sitting on the side of the street. The fireman showed up 20 minutes later after we had gotten out and the ambulance and they were shocked to see us alive. The neighbors came out. We all just watched the house burn down. And my dad said, let's worship God. And we begin to worship. I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. Oh Lord, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks for what he's given. Jesus Christ, his Son, and now we just begin to sing right there as our house was burning down and the firemen were looking at us. I mean, not, they were first trying to put out the fire with water, but people were looking at us and they were so confused. They were like, why is this family happy? And it wasn't like we were smiling and laughing, give each other high fives, but they were like, why is this family okay? Why are they worshiping? You find out what's really important when you go through something that takes everything from you. You find out what really matters. Do your clothes matter? My mom said it was good that my dad's clothes burned that night. She said his clothes were bad. He needed some new stuff. But you find out what's really important when you go through a recession, when you go through a fire, when you lose your job. You find out who really, what really matters. These guys were throwing everything off the boat because there was too much fluff. This is where Paul was. This is where Jesus was. Jesus went through storms. You're gonna rebuke storms? He went through it. And he was sleeping in a storm on the boat with Peter. Paul's there watching as they're throwing off cargo left and right. On verse 19, the third day, they threw off the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope. Everybody say hope hope, hope. It's that inner desire, that inner expectation that things are going to turn out good. Things are going to turn out well. Somehow we're going to get through this. Our family's going to get through it. Somehow my son's going to get through this. Somehow our, our marriage, our family, somehow our finances are going to be okay. But they gave up hope. They gave up that confidence that things were going to change. They decided, they signed a death certificate. They said, we're dying here. This is how it ends. We're not going to make it through this. We're dead. When your hope is in anything but Jesus, you lose hope when you walk through storms. Storms reveal and expose idols in your life. So here they are, they've got their life jackets. They thought they were good up until verse 19. They're like, okay, we're gonna be good. I got my retirement plan, I got my 401k, I got, I got savings, I'm gonna make it. But what happens, what happens when a crash, a storm comes? and the things you thought were going to. I got my friends, I got my family, I got this, I got this job, I got that, got my health. If your hope is in anything but Jesus, you get to a place where you go, I thought, I thought I had, I thought I had a way through this. And they said, we give up all hope. Our life jackets won't save us. Our lifeboats won't save us. We're gonna die. That's literally what they said. Verse 21, by the way, when you hit rock bottom, that's a good place to be because Jesus is the rock at the bottom. He is, he's the cornerstone. He is the firm foundation. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul was waiting for this moment. He's like, they gave up hope. Now they're starving. They can't eat. The storm was so bad, they lost their appetite. And Paul stands up. It's almost like he was like, this is my time to preach. He says, men, you should have taken my advice. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Paul. Anything else to say? Any other, any other good words? He says, um, you would have spared yourselves the loss and the damage that you've now walked through. Here's how I know if a, if a prophetic word is from God or not. The Bible says that prophetic words are meant to edify, exhort, and encourage. If the prophetic word has no redemptive moment, 
If a, if a prophetic word just ends with doom and doom and more doom and depression and defeat, it's not from God. You're gonna die, it's all gonna be bad. A prophetic word always has redemption in it. This is where Paul, Paul could have stopped right there. He could have said, shame on you, but he doesn't. He says, listen, God is gonna get you through this. I'm gonna give you some good news right now. Not one person dies in this chapter. Every single man gets saved. Every single family is saved. Come on, that's good news right there. If you were like, is this sermon gonna end with death for everybody? It was sounding bad there for a minute. It's about to get good. Ooh, it's about to get good. Your life is about to get good. Your story's about to get better. The second you get God involved in your storm, redemption begins to write a story that is greater than the damage and the loss. What the enemy meant for harm, Joseph said. What the storm meant to steal from my life, God is about to launch me into a greater season. Had I not walked through this storm, I wouldn't have the testimony to deliver other people from the same kind of storm. Had I not walked through this loss, I would have been carrying cargo that I thought I had to keep, but God used the storm to prune me. God used the storm to purge me. God used the storm to purify me. God used what the enemy meant for harm to draw me closer to him to break my heart with humility, to take away the pride, to take away the self-dependent, selfish mindset. Paul says, but now, verse 22, somebody say, but now. When God is in it, there's always a but now. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. The enemy is after your courage. Here's what the presence of God does. The presence of God gives you courage in your circumstances. Number two, put your hope in God's power. How does hope stay afloat in a storm? I gotta have my hope in God's presence. And secondly, I gotta have my hope in God's power. God can do it. God can do it. If God did it for Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, who was a deceiver, a trickster, a liar, and God still saved Jacob, and God still worked through Jacob, if he did it for Jacob, he can do it for you. He, if it, God did it for a bunch of prisoners, on the Amalfi Coast, he can do it for your family. If God did it for a bunch of guys who didn't have any belief in God, he can do it for your son, for your husband, for your wife. Don't doubt the power of God. Have faith in his power. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we can ask, hope, dream, or imagine. You know what God spoke to me a couple weeks ago? I was, watching, I was watching a news clip, and they were talking about just the economy, and they were kind of giving predictions, and I heard the Lord say, God favors the bold. Dream big, Paul, and challenge the church to release their faith. Did you know that Isaac prospered in a famine so that he could be a blessing to his family? God wants the church to prosper in whatever famine's going on so that we can bless a city, so that we can bless Ukraine and Russia and Cambodia and Burma and build churches during a, an economic uh, crisis. Whatever's going on out there, don't let it determine what's going on in here. Here's how I overcome a storm. I don't let the storm out there get in the boat in here. Keep the water out. Keep your heart full of courage. Keep your faith in God's power. Y'all with me this morning? Put your hope in God's power. Paul says, don't lose courage. And watch what he says in verse 22. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. <laughs> and you're like, hold up. I thought you said the ship was my life, Paul. The ship represents a part of your life. Maybe God wants to renew you. Maybe God wants to do you 2.0. Maybe God wants to upgrade you they're going to end up with a better ship in Malta. Maybe God is reframing you. He's restructuring you. He's reorganizing you. Maybe the storm was meant to reshape you. So he's stripping off old mindsets. He's stripping off old attitudes. Don't let the ship become a material idea out here. That's very shallow to look at scripture that way. Well, the ship represents, you know, my job, this person, that, that, that. No, no, no. Let this ship represent something deeper in here that maybe God is renewing your mind. Maybe God is renewing your spirit. Paul says the ship's gonna go down, but if you don't stay on the ship, you're gonna lose your life. So he said, you gotta stay on the ship as long as it gets to the island. It's gonna get you to this next season, but then God's gonna give you something even greater. 
He says this, he says, um, only the ship will be, last night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong to and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Paul, stop being afraid. That's a word for the church today. Paul, stop being afraid. John, stop being afraid. Ashley, stop being afraid. Gringer, stop being afraid. Ty, stop. Listen, the word for the church right now is don't be afraid. Live with faith. Faith and fear both ask the same question, Antonio. Faith and fear ask, what will you believe about what hasn't happened yet? Fear says, I'm going to get shot. Faith says, I'm going to live and not die, declare the works of the Lord. Fear says, I can't leave my house. What if I get in a car accident, a plane crash? What if there's a shooting? What if there's something bad? I just got to stay home. Y'all, danger's at home too. Danger's flowing through the computer screen, the phone screen, the TV screen. So you got all kinds of sin and danger and depression and, and comparison that's, that's even attacking your family in your own house. You don't even have to leave your house to lose your life. You might be physically alive, but mentally and emotionally you die because you're locked on a computer screen looking online and it's just killing your marriage and your family and you didn't even leave your house. Well, it's dangerous out there. No, it's dangerous in your house too. The only safe place to be is in the presence of God, to put your faith in the word of God, to get your heart locked in on the, 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 the ways of God. It's dangerous. There's storms everywhere, but there is a shelter. There's a reason to stay alive. And so Paul says, don't be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives. And I underline that, the lives. In other words, there's a group of people that are connected to this prophetic word. Here's the third point. Put your hope in the community of God's people. And I don't mean putting your hope in a person or a group of people or a group of friends. I mean putting your hope in the commandment where God says, don't forsake the assembling together. The last days, love is going to get cold. People's hearts are going to get angry. Moms and dads and husbands, wives, they're going to betray each other. There's going to be constant strife. Jesus said in the last days, there's going to be an intensity of people not wanting to have relationship with anyone. There's going to be just a, an all-out war at home, a war with families, a war with churches. There's going to be multiple splits. People just won't know how to get along with each other. But Jesus says, the world will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. So I've got to get my hope, not in my rope, not in my ability, but I've got to get my hope in God's word that I am called. See, some of us are living with all of these ropes tied to offense, tied to hurt. We're all tied up. Did you know what, what they had to do during the storm is they had to begin to unravel the ropes that were tied up to the boat, that were causing the storm to get worse and worse. If you don't let go of offense, it's gonna keep dragging you through the storm. Bitterness will keep robbing you of life. You've gotta get connected with God's people. But Paul, God's people are imperfect. They hurt my feelings. You're imperfect too. If you're searching for a perfect church, there's not one. Because the second you walk in, it just became imperfect. Me too. Second I walk in anywhere, it's always Because we're imperfect. We're all human. We're going to let each other down. But if we can come together, not under our agenda, but under God's word, and say, let's worship, let's pray, let's forgive one another, let's apologize, let's get stronger together. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. In the last days, we got to get connected. Our hope is, Paul said, you got to stay together, men. Don't jump ship. There were guys that started trying to dive off the boat, thinking they would be better by themselves. He says, cut the ropes, get rid of the chains, and stick together. Because this is where the salvation is going to flow. It's going to flow through this group of people, all connected together. And then he says this in verse 25, keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Somebody say, faith in God. He says, it will happen just as he told me, just as he told me. Number four, put your hope in the purpose of God. Put your hope in God's purpose. God's purpose, he says in Philippians 1 verse 6, he who started this work and you will be faithful to complete it. The purpose of God outlasts titles, seasons, salaries, positions, presidents, governments, laws that are passed. The purpose of God prevails no matter what's going on. And when you're walking through a loss of cargo, you start to find out where your hope is at. I was talking with someone recently who um, just transitioned out of their position. He was a pastor for 60 years. He said, I passed the church off at 84. He's 92 now. He said, I might have waited a little too long. But he said, once I passed it off, I had to face this question, 
Who am I without that title? Because I was pastor, Pastor Tommy. For 60 years, my, my identity was wrapped up in that position, that title. I don't know what that's like right now, but someday I will know what that's like when I'm not the pastor. And I'll be tested, where is my hope at? If your hope is being a pastor, I'm telling you, you're gonna be disappointed. If your hope is being that businessman, having that title, that position, CFO, CEO, whatever it is, everything will be tested. Every identity, everything outside of Jesus is going to be tested. But if your hope is in the purpose of God, the purpose of God prevails no matter what title or position you have. Whether you're a coffee barista or you work at Quick Trip or you're a missionary to Africa or you're a youth pastor or you're a worship leader or you're a volunteer in the church and you work at a company during the week or you're an intern for a business or you just lost your job, guess what? The purpose of God doesn't stop when you lose a job. The purpose of God doesn't stop when your title changes. The purpose of God doesn't start when you work for a church and stop when you don't. No, the purpose of God prevails no matter what season, stage, or age your end. Your purpose is to bring glory to God. And you can do that in a storm. You can do that in Africa. You can do it in Tulsa. You can do it at Starbucks. You can do it at Quick Trip. You can do it at Williams Company. You can do it at the Cancer Treatment Center. You can do it as a nurse, as a doctor, as an intern. No matter what title or position you have, if your hope is in the purpose of God, you will never miss a day of walking in purpose and significance and impact and feeling valuable because you know whose you are and you know what he created you to do. So Paul says, keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that this purpose will happen. It will happen. It has to happen. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So the storm kept going. Days turned into weeks. And weeks multiplied. In verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat. He said, you all look bad. <laughs> He said, you've gone without food. You've been living in constant suspense. You've been paranoid about the next hit, the next hit, the next hit. You ever been there before? When my dad got cancer for 10 weeks, my appetite changed from September 1st to November 21st. That was 12 weeks. Even on our honeymoon, when Ashton and I were on our honeymoon, I was checking my phone every two minutes wondering if I would miss a text, if my dad was gonna die. I was paranoid because every week we found out new news, different news. I was being driven by this storm, fear, anxiety. When he passed, I was driven by discouragement, depression, thoughts about the church, thoughts about the future of the church, thoughts about life. There had to come a moment where I had to come back to, God, you are on the throne no matter who's with me or who's not with me, no matter what goes on in my life, Lord, you are steady, you are stable. You don't change with the economy. You don't change with the people who come and go. You don't change with the trends and the governments and the laws. Lord, you are steady. Number five, put your hope in the promises of God. Here's what I know. God promises that we have an eternal home which means that to live is Christ and to die is gain. God promises to be with us no matter what we face. God promises to give us victory, which means that my best days are right in front of me. No matter what's in front of me, I still have victory. I still have victory. I win in the end because the enemy has no hold over my eternal destination. That means I've got victory here, but I've got victory there, which is more important. Don't be afraid of the one who could take your body. Fear the one who could take your soul. Get your soul in a stable place. Fix your hope. Hope only floats when it's in the right place. I want the band to come out. When your hope is in the promise of God, it doesn't matter what you go through. You're going to make it. Somebody say, I'm going to make it. Turn to that person next and say, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. So they begin to eat. Paul sets the example. I've read the book, eat, Leaders Eat Last. Paul eats first here because nobody was courageous enough to eat. So Paul starts breaking the bread in front of them. The bread is the, is, it's the, it's the body of Jesus. The blood is the, it's the word of Jesus. It's the grace of Jesus. Paul says, eat and drink. This is where you find nourishment. Have communion with God. We are living in a time right now where people don't know who they are. They're not sure if they're he, him, her, that, they, they, them, thy, thee, what, whatever. We're just confused. Our world is confused. 
Our world is so confused and we're trying to self-identify as if we are the ones who created ourselves and created the planet. We didn't. We didn't make ourselves. We did not create ourselves. We're not smart enough to come up with five fingers on this hand and five, like we would best ourselves, if, if I was in charge of creating humanity, I would have made a bunch of Picasso weirdo human, like you would be like, what happened here? God created us in his image, which means that he knows our identity. He knows your pronoun. He knows who he made you to be. He's not confused about your gender, your sexuality. He's not confused about whether you one day are gonna experience the greatest. Listen, God is in charge of your life. We're living in a world where people are so confused and they're literally trying to define and figure it all out by themselves. Until we come back to the word of God, Paul says we gotta eat the bread. We got, we got to have fresh manna every day. Don't live off of yesterday's revelation of the word. Don't live off of some preacher out there who said what their revelation was. Get a personal revelation. Taste the bread. He says, don't just watch me taste the bread. Don't just watch me break the bread. I want you to break the bread. I want you to have connect groups. I want you to talk about the Bible. In, the, in a season where there's storms all around us, I want you to have uh, prayer groups in your school. I want you to meet together. I want you to carry this heart of the word. It's the only way you're gonna make it through this storm. And so they begin to eat. They get their strength back. Then they, they discard all, all the cargo that's no longer necessary. Then they find land. Verse 39, when daylight came, they saw land. Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you, listen, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You're going to make it. It gets better, friends. It gets better. I've been through it, and it gets better. Somebody say, it's getting better. It's getting better. Speak it by faith. It's getting better. So they cut loose the anchors because the anchors were no longer necessary. And the ship hit the sandbar. The ship hit the sandbar. It was the ship that got them there. And then at that point, they had to float towards the land. It was broken into pieces. Some of you have been broken into pieces in the last season. And it says in verse 44, every single person, not one person died, not a hair on their head was touched. They floated to the land on planks and pieces of the ship. God was about to renew, revive, restore, reconcile, rebuild, restructure, do something so amazing through this group of prisoners. God's about to do the same for Tulsa, for you, for America, for the world. Would you stand your feet all over this place? I just feel like it's a prophetic word for some of us today. That if we will get our hope back in the one who made us, in the one who knows us better than anyone, he's going to see you through it. He's going to take care of you. Don't be afraid financially. Don't be afraid for your body. Don't be afraid for what's going on. Fear only robs you of strength. Fear only increases your blood pressure and, and worry just, it adds more sickness and disease. They discovered that during COVID-19, during that year, there were more people who were literally dying in that time because of the amount of depression that began to set in it affected every age group. The mental illnesses that begin to multiply across the world of people just feeling isolated, afraid, discouraged, defeated, it, it affected people even more than COVID-19 did. All I know is that we live in a world where there is sickness and disease. It's been here for thousands of years. Every year, there's always gonna be different strands, different flus, different sicknesses that come through. We can't control what's happening out there, but we can control what's happening in here. And if we will take a hold of fear and anxiety and worry and panic and discouragement, depression, and just say, God, I put you back on the throne of my heart. I'm building my life on the rock. My hope is not in the boat. My hope is not in the outcome. I'm not in control. My hope is in you. My hope is in your word, your presence, your power, your people your promises, your purpose. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wanna pray for people right now who are walking through something. You need strength. This message was for you. If this message was for you, I want you to just lift your hand up across this room. Yes, sir, yeah, wow, hands up from the front to the back. God was speaking to you. I hear God saying, some of you, there's cargo you need to get rid of. There's things you've been carrying, shame, guilt, sadness, things that didn't work out. I hear God saying, I'm going to give you fresh wind and fresh fire. I'm going to give you fresh water. God says, I'm about to do something 
new in you because of the storm that you have walked through or the storm that you are walking through. If you will put your hope in him. If that's you, I want you to just leave your seat. Just come and find a place at this altar. We're just gonna take a couple minutes just to worship. And I just want the presence of God to touch as many people that just need fresh strength. You need oil. You need the grace of God for the things you've been walking through. Some of you, you're not in the middle of a storm, but you just came out of one. And you just need God just to wash you, to cleanse you, to purify you, to renew you, to redeem you. The blood of Jesus is still stronger than your sin. It's still stronger than your hurt. It's still stronger than your shame. Let this be be a healing altar call right now. If you need healing today in your mind, your body, your spirit, your heart, if you need strength today, if you need grace today, if you're walking through something right now and you just need prayer, you need to get your eyes back on Jesus. You can come from the back of the room to the front. We got space down here. We're going to fill it in. Anyone who just wants to come down. And Rose, Andrew, would you just lead us in that worship song? Let's just begin to fix our eyes, our hearts on Jesus. If you need to get right with God, come down to the altar. If you need to surrender to God, if you need to give Him some burdens, His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are storm-ridden, and I will give you grace. I will give you rest.
your voices right now. You deserve the glory. Oh, we magnify, we magnify everything. lots of things you could do and go to but just for a minute just let the music minister to your soul God wants to prophesy through the music to you he just wants to speak to you he's going to show it right in your heart he's just going to remind you he's with you he's for you
remember several years ago when I first saw the movie Castaway, and he's floating on this make, you know, he made this raft while he was waiting to be rescued and it never came. And as he's floating out in the ocean, he's, he's lost his volleyball that he made as a friend. He's, he's all by himself and he's crying, he's just weeping. It just feels like he's lost everything. And I remember just watching that and just thinking, what a picture of so many people's lives. And then when the music starts building in that movie and he finally sees someone has found him, he gets found. And it's like this sense of hope that he's gonna be okay. He's gonna, he's gonna be alive, he's gonna make it. And just as the music was playing, I just felt in my spirit, some of you have spiritually, you've just been waiting to be found. And I just see God saying, I found you and I'm going to bring you safely to shore. You're going to be okay. You've been through a lot, but I got you. I got you. And I'm, I'm going to restore what the enemy stole from you. I'm going to restore. And your latter years will be greater than your former years. Yeah, as Paul was sharing that, I just, I just want everyone to close your eyes because I was just thinking about um, just even the the life preserve that's in the graphic of hope floats and and I was just thinking you guys are gonna go out these doors we're gonna go out these doors we're gonna wake up tomorrow and there's gonna be different storms and some of us might feel like we're still in the middle of the ocean when it comes to a different situation in life and I want you to think about that life preserve it kind of goes along with what Paul was just sharing but you know, there's a life preserve. God has always his promises, like Paul preached on today. That life preserve, it's always in the water. He doesn't, he always knows your geographical location. He knows the location of your heart. He knows the, he knows where the waves toss you around. You might be lost, but he has never lost you. And that life preserver is always floating right there in the deepest of waters. It is always floating right there. And it is His promises. It is His power. It is His presence. It is His people. It is His purpose. But I want you to see yourself grabbing that life preserver. And as soon as you grab that life preserver, Jesus Himself is on the other end of the rope. And so is God. And so are the angels. And so are the saints of heaven drawing you to shore. Every single trial, every single situation, there is always a life preserve. Every single situation, no matter how far you have gone from shore, no matter how far you have ran away from home, no matter how far you are from the heart of God, you are only one arm's length away. Grab the life preserver. It is always there. It's always waiting in the water. It's not even a matter of Him throwing it out to you. He already did when He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross. That means the life preserve is always in the water. It's always with you. So when you feel like you're drowning, look around. Look at the promises. This helps us access the hope from heaven. And what is He doing? He's pulling you in, that life preserver. His, again, those P's, promises, purpose, people, presence, power. They're keys to help us access the hope of God. And what is He doing? As He's pulling you in, He's pulling you into the source of hope. And when you wake up the next day and you find yourself in another situation or another difficult thing of life, whatever that might be, 
that you grab on again. Day after day, there's always a life preserved. And I can't get that scripture. I haven't been able to get the scripture out of my mind in Psalms where it says deep cries out to deep. And when it is, when I am in the deepest of my waters, it is from the deepest and the reality of those waters that the depths of my soul cry out to the depths of heaven and the depths of the heart of God. And can I tell you, don't be afraid of the deep though because it is the depths of those prayers and the depths of those tears and the depths of those waters that if you cry out from the depth, God is gonna reach down to the depth and I'm telling you, in the depth is greater dimensions of the presence and the power of God in your life. wanting to do deep work sometimes it are it is those storms Paul said it in one of the services and I'm not sure if he said it in this one but he said just because the storms are against you doesn't mean God is against you and although the storms of life may happen don't be so quick with your own understanding to determine the why of those storms Sometimes God uses storms, like Paul said, to shift and to change. And sometimes he uses those storms to stir up, if we let him, to stir up a deeper cry and a deeper desperation for a move of God, not just around us, but for a move of God in our own hearts telling you that's where the depth is. God will do shallow work. He'll do whatever you give him. But what he's about is the deep work in your hearts. And that deep work comes when we cry out in the depth of our situations, in the depth of our heartaches, in the depth of our disappointment and the unknown. Don't be afraid of the deep waters, church. The life preserve is there. It's always there. But don't be afraid of where the storm might be taking you or shifting or moving things around because I'm telling you, it's in the deep waters if we cry out there that who He is truly deepens in our life. Come on, how many of y'all receive that this this afternoon. That's powerful. Well, let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. I need you, Jesus. You are my only hope. So I trust in you. I look to you. I turn to you. I repent of sin. And I receive your grace, your salvation, your love, your power, your purpose, your promises. I'm all yours, God. Have your way in my life. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. So I'm going to make it. And I'm going to have a testimony. And I'm coming out with victory. In Jesus' name, amen.